Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Whitfield Report for Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, recording here in studio. And I want to thank you for joining me here today in the past, present, future hour, whenever you're listening to this. And, uh, yeah, I know I've been putting out uh, podcasts pretty heavy this week. We had the regular Saturday show on Saturday, and then on Tuesday, yesterday, I released a uh, bonus episode for you guys, which I actually, that was a live stream on Sunday that I did, and I released it as a podcast episode yesterday. Uh, but today I'm back for our usual Wednesday slash uh, Thursday show. And uh, I'm going to try and cover a couple of topics. But today's main topic is one that I've actually gotten a lot of requests for in the past uh, 24 hours. So I just figured I would address this topic to begin with. Um so as you guys can probably surmise from the title of the episode, I'm going to be making a case for why Joe Rogan should moderate one of the presidential debates. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Joe Rogan was on Tim Kennedy's podcast. Uh, Tim Kennedy is a... Uh, an MMA, and I, I think he was in the military as well, but he's uh, very popular kind of in the podcast sphere. Uh, I'm not subscribed to him personally, but I know a lot of people that are. I'll probably check out his podcast um, at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but regardless, uh, I guess Tim Kennedy asked, Joe Rogan out of the blue if he would be willing to uh, you know host a debate between um, you know President Trump and Joe Biden and I think much to a lot of people's surprise Joe Rogan actually said yes he would be and then uh, President Trump retweeted Joe Rogan or retweeted uh, Tim Kennedy, and, uh, you know, echoed that sentiment that he would uh, be willing to, that he would only be willing to debate Joe Biden on the Joe Rogan experience. Now, the media, the mainstream media has had a, a fit about this, um, you know, as has more of the uh, liberal media on Twitter for obvious reasons. And one of the funnier things that I've seen on Twitter in regards to this, and this is kind of what I want to get, get into right away, there are a couple criticisms of Joe Rogan potentially hosting a presidential debate, but the biggest one that I've seen, the most consistent criticism I've seen from the Twitter sphere is that, quote, Joe Rogan said he would vote for 
Trump over Biden already. Therefore, he is unqualified to moderate a debate because of this position. End quote. Right? This was this has kind of been the exact same tweet from a couple of uh, commentators on Twitter. And it is hilarious to me in how uh, flawed this argument is. Right? They're basically saying that Joe Rogan is incapable of moderating a debate because he has a political preference, right? But yet these same commentators seem to uh, either willfully or uh, maybe unwittingly ignore the fact that all of the debate moderators in the past who are anchors at these networks, right? They all have biases, right? If, if you go to, if there's a, if there's a Fox, um, you know, if there's a moderator from Fox News, Fox News tends to lean, you know, more conservative, more right. So obviously those commentators more often than not are going to side with, you know, President Trump or whoever the Republican nominee would be, right? If you've got a a CNN, you know, uh, anchor moderating things, they, they tend to, uh, you know, objectively lean more in favor of, of the of the, uh, you know, Democrat, and we, we actually, we saw that, uh, you know, pretty blatantly in, uh, 2016 and, uh, 2012, uh, where basically CNN had to admit, even at one point after the 2016 election, that they were feeding, uh, the Clinton campaign, some of the questions beforehand, right? Which was a bit of a scandal. Um, you know, not really because Trump had already won and it was kind of irrelevant at that point, but still, it did not look good on CNN, right? So the big argument against Joe Rogan, supposedly, is that he has a bias. This argument, you know, just to put it bluntly, is idiotic, it's retarded in its logic, because, let's face it, folks, if you're a human being, and unless you have you know, unless you're like a very small child or a toddler and, you know, hell, even, I'm not even sure this even applies to toddlers. If you are a human being beyond infancy, human beings develop biases over time and they develop opinions over time. That's how humans 
work, right? We develop, uh, you know, different tastes and preferences, you know, and everything ranging from what, you know, our favorite foods are, what, uh, you know, what we like, you know, our, our favorite types of people, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, down to more of, you know, nuanced, uh, you know, decisions. People make biased choices every day, right? From what, uh, you know, clothes they wear, to what food they eat, and... You know, on, on, on a broader scale, uh, what type of computer, you know, they use, you know, where they go to school, et cetera, et cetera. We make biased decisions all the time, right? That's my kind of my overarching point. And this whole notion that media should be unbiased, I get what people are saying with that. But it's nearly impossible. You're never going to truly have an unbiased media, right? Because people have opinions and it's always going to be that way. I think what more people want is for the media just to be honest in their bias, right? The reason why so many people are upset with CNN you know, and call them fake news, and this was Trump's big thing, is that CNN, for the longest time, would pretend to be neutral, would pretend to be unbiased, would pretend to be, you know, representing both sides of an argument, right? And then they would slam conservatives, and they did this for years and years and years. I mean, they still do, but now at least they've pretty much been forced be open about it, right? You know, Fox News, they say they're fair and balanced, and compared to CNN, I think they are, but let's be honest, you know, they lean more to the conservative spectrum. Um, And so, you know, by and large, over the past few years with, you know, with these big news companies, I think people are getting sick and Tired of them because these these big media companies are not being honest about their biases. They're all trying to pretend they're neutral when they're not. And you know, I think that I think realistically, people at least want them to be honest about their biases, right? Because there will never truly be an unbiased media. I think people just want to be be honest. Um, if anything, this alone could make the case for Joe Rogan being the next debate moderator, right? Because Joe Rogan has his opinions on, you know, various things. He's, you know, fiscally conservative, it seems. Um, He's, you know, he's socially conservative on some issues like guns, uh, but, you know, more 
socially liberal on issues like gay marriage, um, you know, and other things. Um, you know, he, he does lean kind of left when it comes to, I guess, social programs, you know, or so I've, I've heard him say, you know, a couple of times. But, you know, long story short, he's kind of an amalgamation of different viewpoints, and I think most people are that way, right? And he interviews people from all walks of life. And like his podcast or not, you can't deny that he's very influential and that he, you know, is a force to be reckoned with in, you know, new media. He has essentially defined the podcast sphere now, right? Long-form interviews, you know, that are sometimes five hours in length, right? And he's he's interviewed everyone from, you know, far-left academics. You know, he, he interviewed Bernie Sanders on his show this year, you know, who's basically a, you know, a self-admitted communist, pretty much. Uh, you know, all the way to Alex Jones, you know, far right wing, uh, you know, kind of considered fringe conspiracy theorist by many, right? And everyone in between. So he's interviewed everyone across the political spectrum. You know, he's interviewed various types of musicians. And I mean, I like I like Joe Rogan. Um, you know, I'm not trying to wax poetic. Yeah, I understand that he's not perfect and that he has his flaws as well. You know, I've never said he's perfect. But by and large, Joe Rogan, I I think, is the most unbiased voice out there, you know, uh, in the media, at least in how he presents his show, right? And he allows, because his show is, long form, it allows people to have a conversation and really dive deep into, you know, a topic or several topics. And this is another thing that is important in 2020, right? Because I hate to say it, folks, but the debate format itself in 2020 is we we've we've proven that it yeah it can be an effective it can be effective in terms of like spitting uh you know straight facts and whatnot but you know really do these um you know formal style uh podium debate Really, I find, do they actually change people's opinion in the real world? Um, you know, I I took debate for uh, my, fr- my freshman and sophomore year of high school. And I have to admit, I thought I would like it, but I wound up not liking it as much as I thought I would, and people were shocked because they figured that because, um, you know, I was into podcasting and 
politics even back in high school that I would really like, you know, debate. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but what I didn't like about a debate was how structured everything was. Now, I understand, uh, you know, when it comes to formal debates, you need that. But like I said, I think more people, as we're finding with, you know, podcasts like the Joe Rogan Experience or like, you know, the long form type of podcast that people like Tim Pool do, I think people are, are, you know, I think more people want to hear just, you know, informal, casual conversations, even if it's about important topics, right? And that's one thing that Joe Rogan has really, you know, uh, brought to the forefront over the past, you know, 10 years since the Joe Rogan now, podcast started back in 09. I mean, he kind of, I wouldn't really say that he, that he reinvented the wheel, but he, I mean, he kind of did, but he more or less also invented the wheel, so to speak, when it comes to, uh, you know, the podcast, the long form podcast format, right? And there are so many issues, uh, you know, in America that I think a long-form conversation, as opposed to a debate where uh, you get two minutes, you know, or five minutes, and then, you know, uh, you know, your opponent gets this amount of time to respond, and, you know, all that, it gets way too technical, it gets way too formal, and I think people get bored by that. And this whole notion that that format somehow, you know, prevents, like, you know, antagonistic behavior. If anything, I think it encourages it, right? Because people are trying, you know, to cut each other off or they're trying to, you know, wedge in a good soundbite there, you know, within the two minutes for, you know, the media to use. You know, and part of it, too, is, that debate format, as we've seen, you know, a lot of that is also due to the time constraints, because guess what? In between debate rounds, you know, Fox News or CNN or whoever, they cut to commercials, and so we're inundated with, you know, commercials, and yeah, that may give the candidates a bit of a break, but, you know, those commercials aren't there for candidates, they're there for, you know, the news channels that are making money off of uh, the, you know, the debate. And, you know, I'm a capitalist, so I don't have, you know, anything against advertising or anything like that. But the way a lot of pod, you know, casters do advertising, uh, you know, the way I do my ads for this show is I play them before the beginning of the show. You know, some podcasters do it before, others after. Yeah, there might be a few mid-roll ads, you know, for some podcasts out there, but they're oftentimes very short and very succinct. You're not going to be getting like five to ten minutes ads in between segments like you do on television, 
you know, or radio. And I think that, you know, kind of continuous flow in a debate would, you know, serve the country really well because instead of having to wedge in, you know, a point there or a point there, the candidates can get really nuanced. And also, you know, for those who are worried that Joe Rogan won't be a good host because, you know, they're afraid that he's biased towards Trump or whatever. Here's the thing about Donald Trump, and I've said this before, and a lot of people have pointed it out now, but Joe Rogan, I mean, I I said Joe Rogan, but I mean, Donald Trump, like Joe Rogan, is almost a stand-up comedian in the sense that, right, Donald Trump, when you go to a Trump rally, or even during the 2016 debates, right, whether it be the Republican primary or, or the presidential debates themselves, Trump is someone who, like him or not, he is a showman. And he is a master showman at that. He knows how to work a crowd. And as Joe Rogan pointed out a few years ago during the 2016 election, um, and I remember hearing this before I was even on the Trump train, but the one thing that Rogan said, which stuck out to me, is he said, he said this was during the Republican primary. He said, don't discount Donald Trump because Trump is like a comedian. He knows how to work the crowd and, you know, get people entertained and get people energized and, you know, enjoying what he has to say, like a comedian. Yeah, he has that energy. Right, and sure enough, Rogan was right. In a, and then a couple other people started saying the same thing, you know, including me. So... The reason I bring that up is because during the debates, most of these moderators, when Trump goes into that mode, they have no idea what to, what to do because these people are in the news commentary business. They're not in the pop culture business. They don't know how to, uh, you know, deal with you know comedians or showmen because they're not necessarily used to that format. And yes, you know, if you really want to get technical, I suppose, I suppose you could say that, you know, even cable news is show business. If you want to get like really, you know, if you want to get like really nuanced about it, yeah, I mean, I, I guess. But, you know, generally speaking, news, quote unquote, is not the same thing as, you know, showmanship, right? Or, you know, as theater. And Trump is certainly theatrical, right? So that would be good because I feel like Rogan could could actually, you know, do a good job of, you know, keeping Trump in check. Because they both have that, you know, kind of comedian mindset, right? 
uh, Rogan could read Trump and, you know, Trump could read Rogan and, you know, maybe Rogan could keep, uh, you know, Trump on track a bit more. So that is a, uh, you know, potential bonus if, uh, you know, if Rogan were to host the debate, right? Now, will this happen? I mean, I'd like it to for the reasons I mentioned in the first, you know, 24, 25 minutes of this podcast. But let's be honest here, folks. I don't think it's going to happen. For one simple reason, and that's that the media... The media, you know, the corporate media on both sides, you know, Fox News and CNN, the corporate media, you know, the establishment, as Michael Mellis likes to to call it, the corporate media is not going to let Joe Rogan or any long form, uh, you know, podcaster near, uh, you know, near the debate. A lot of them, even though they have podcasts, you know, like for their networks, you know, a lot of these news establishments, so to speak, you know, make no mistakes, even though they, uh, you know, they have podcasts, they don't really get the podcast format. A lot of them still, you know, are kind of thumbing their nose at the format. And the only reason that they're kind of in the business of podcasting now is because millennials, you know, people at people my age and younger are listening to, you know, a lot more podcasts. And so now these, you know, news networks are kind of forced to go into that medium, you know, because of my demographic. But trust me, they don't like it. So the establishment media would much rather um, you know, have something, you know, that fits to their format, right? Um, because there's money to be made in those debates for them, regardless of, you know, who wins, right? The media, the mainstream media is just as big of a swamp as politics is, right? And it, you know, it it does exist on both sides, but I will say there is more of a deep state element to the left wing media establishment like CNN and MSNBC and, uh, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, right? Fox News is really kind of the only conservative media outlet out there, you know, any major statute. The Wall Street Journal may be a, you know, a competent second, but by and large, Fox News is really all of the conservative side has, right? But even, you know, even they're not perfect, right? So I think, like I said, I think if you want a truly unbiased debate, you know, as unbiased and neutral as you're going to get, you know, for a moderator... Joe Rogan, because he has had such a diverse, you know, number of people on his show from all different backgrounds, I think he would be the most 
I think he would be the best host to do it. And I seriously hope that, you know, both of the campaigns actually seriously consider it as, you know, maybe a a thing, but I don't think they will. I think, I think the, I think politicians and political campaigns are still just so used to, um, you know, establishment media, dinosaur media, that they're now locked into this format. Uh, you know, I'm only, I'm only 25 years old. I'm still relatively young. You know, so maybe millennials, right, and kids younger than myself, maybe will see this trend break in our lifetime, and that's a big maybe. But, you know, it's it's more often to happen, it's more, you know, it's more likely to happen later in our lives than right now. Uh, but, you know, by and large, I think that um, that will be the way that the debate goes. You know, I think it will still be on the major networks. Um, but, you know, I personally would like to see Rogan host a debate, like I said, just because I think he would be great at it. And I think he's kind of the voice that we need as a moderator during this extremely divisive time. So, um, you know, and before you guys accuse me of, you know, being like a Rogan shill or whatever, uh, you know, like I said, you know, he's not perfect. Um, but, you know, show me someone who is. So, uh, you know, anyway, that's my, uh, main, uh, you know, thing with, the uh, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, debate. Now, some other people have asked me kind of on an off topic, I think of, you know, Rogan being on Spotify now, and it's... It's kind of interesting because Rogan is on Spotify now. Uh, you can find all his podcasts on Spotify, but he is also still on YouTube. Uh, I know there was a bit of a controversy with, uh, you know, some of the more controversial conservative voices not showing up, like, uh, you know, Gavin McGinnis and Alex Jones. Um, but as Rogan pointed out, he has so many podcasts out there that not all of them have been completely uploaded yet, right? And that's why he's still on iTunes. That's why he's still on, you know, YouTube somewhat and why those episodes will probably remain up on YouTube for the foreseeable future, at least until he can uh, port them over. And believe me, folks, uh, that's, you know, what he's talking about with, you know, all the files having trouble coming over. That's certainly something that I could relate to when I moved, uh, you know, my initial podcast catalog over to uh, Anchor, you know, and changed uh, podcast hosts. You know, and my library is nowhere near as big as Rogan is, although, folks, we are on, you know, season five of the Whitfield Report, you know, in 2020, and this will be our 62nd uh, episode of the podcast, either episode 
uh, you know, 62 or 63 that you're listening to. Um, so that's kind of cool. But uh, anyway, folks, I will have perhaps another podcast for you guys tomorrow. Uh, maybe some off-the-cuff stuff with the latest uh, Apple update. I'm not sure. I might save that for Saturday, too. I'm not sure yet. But, uh, you know, regardless, folks, I wanted to cover that Rogan uh, thing with the debate and let you know where I stand on that and hopefully, uh, you know, give you a better view and kind of a a good take on that because that was an interesting topic and kind of hotly discussed uh, this week. So uh, there you go, folks. That's my case for why Joe Rogan should host at least one of the presidential debates, and I hope you guys uh, you know, enjoyed this podcast. I always enjoy making them for you. Uh, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or another uh, app that allows you to rate and review the podcast, uh, please do so. Please tell your friends about the podcast. It always helps. Uh, share this on social media. And uh, yeah, folks. From all of us here at NGC Studios, have a uh, good day wherever you are. God bless. God bless this great nation. God freedom, I can see in that order, and I will see you on the next episode of the Whitfield Report.